Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. Bibles, I invite you to 2 Samuel 7 as we continue to go through this book. There are many ways, as you're finding your text, there are many ways to outline the life of David. His life wasn't too much different than ours as far as what he experienced, except being made king of Israel. None of you or me has ever been made king of Israel. But... Um, God did use him just like he would us. But one way to define the life of David would be, first of all, in the beginning of 2 Samuel, maybe even back stretching it back into 1 Samuel when he was on the run from Saul who was viciously trying to assassinate him over and over again. We read of David's Burdens. That was a season of his life where he had a season of burdens, hardship, difficulties. And then uh, we come to a season in his life where he is made king. And he, chapter 6, brings the tabernacle of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, to Jerusalem after taking Jerusalem. And we read last week where God just promised him so much, which will talk a little bit more about today, and that's a season of blessings. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to be in chapter 8, and we're going to see the seasons of battles, of battles. And then in chapter 11, we're going to see a season of brokenness in his life. And I think you could easily say that defines anybody's and everybody's life, especially uh, if you've had time to live long enough to have burdens, to have battles, to have blessings, and to have the blessings of life that David, we're going to see in David's experience. You see, David in this text is going through a season of blessing. God is blessing him. And it's remarkable how God is blessing him. But there are some blessings for us in Christ that are always constant. That, that will never go away, never be forfeited. They are the blessings in Christ Jesus, which you have if you know Jesus as your Savior. But sometimes we go through a season of burden. And if we're not careful, those seasons of burden will hide from us those blessings that are constant. You know what I'm talking about? There's people here today. You're here and you have everything in the world to be thankful for. And now you're on top of the world and you're being blessed and the blessings are overshadowing your problems. Now, we have all got problems. Amen. Yeah. I mean, we really do. But uh, there's other people here today, they don't feel very blessed right now. They, they don't, they're not basking in the blessings of the Lord. They are burdened down. 
And we're going to talk more about seasons of burdens and seasons of blessings. But the blessing we're going to read about today, what David is experiencing, is a season of blessings. Now, there are constant blessings, as we mentioned a while ago, that will never go away. And regardless of what you're experiencing, you still have those blessings. They may be hidden. You may not remember them. You may not be basking in them, but you have them in Christ Jesus. But then there's sometimes in life when you just go through a season of blessings and it just seems like God has taken a bucket and is just pouring his blessings out on you. You ever have any of those? I tell you what, I, I have had those seasons. Sometimes they last for hours. Sometimes they last for days. Sometimes they last for weeks. Sometimes they last for months. Sometimes they last for years. Sometimes he just keeps on pulling them out for decades. And then sometimes they last for a lifetime. But there's just seasons of blessings that you have. Well, you just say, whoa, what, you know, wow. And I'm talking about earthly blessings. When God just pours out his earthly blessings upon you. Now, burdens can hide them sometimes and overshadow them, but David had a season of blessing. This was an unusual blessing that David had in chapter 7. And sometimes you just have some unusual blessings. December 27, 1986, I had an unusual blessing. I got married, amen, to my lovely red-headed wife, and she plays the saxophone. Can your wives play the saxophone? <laughs> and there's sometimes those seasons, they just have residual blessings to them. But what I want to talk about today is how to respond to the blessings of God upon you. How to respond to the blessings of God upon you. Now, like I say, I hasten to say because some people are here today, and, and you have so many burdens. You have a burden, maybe just one, and it's overriding you. It's all you can think about. It's all you can focus on. It's awful. But yet, you've come here today to worship the Lord, and you've come here today to worship the Lord because really, in reality, you know you have some blessings in Christ Jesus. And it's difficult to, to not have those blessings hidden. And it sure would be nice to have seasons of blessings all the time, wouldn't it? But we don't. There's an old hymn we used to sing, and I didn't think about it till this morning, but it's called Showers of Blessings. Oh, that today they might fall. Amen. And we need, I tell you what, we need showers of blessings. Amen. Well, anyway, let's talk about David and the proper response to the showers of blessings David had in this text. And I hope it will encourage you and help you. In chapter 7, the word heart is used three times. And we all know that David was a man after God's own heart. And we, hear, we see now how a man after God's own heart responds to the blessings of God in his life the seasonal blessings and the constant blessings, in particular the seasonal blessing that just come upon him that lasted forever. But he was a man after God's own heart, and he had the proper response. If you recall, David was um, at rest in chapter 7, verse 1. The Bible says the Lord had given him round about rest from his enemies. He was blessed. It was a great season of blessing. There were no burdens. There were no battles. He was just blessed as he could be, and he knew it. And he decided he wanted to do something for the Lord. And uh, he called the preacher in and said, uh, basically, uh, I want to build the Lord a house. I want to build the temple. He dwells in a tabernacle, a tent. That's where we go to church. That's where we go to worship. And it's not good enough. I want to build him a temple. And Nathan the, uh, had to be a Baptist because when he saw somebody wanted to give something like that, he said, go ahead. It's what you got to do. Nathan went home and went to bed, and the Lord woke him up in the middle of the night, sent him back to David, and he told David, you can't do it. God said you're not to build the temple. He didn't, 
He didn't gift you. He didn't ordain you. He didn't establish you to build a temple. He made you a ruler, not a temple builder, but your son will build the temple. And then in that text, when Nathan is giving him all that negative talk about not being able to build the temple, Nathan says this in basic down-to-earth terms. He says, David, you wanted to build God a house. God's not going to let you build him a house. He wants to build you a house. And he wants to establish your seed, your descendants forever, and your throne forever. And uh, it's called the Davidic covenant, the covenant God gave to David. And it's about the throne of Israel. And, of course, we ultimately know that it'll be Jesus who sits on that throne of Israel in Jerusalem one day. But David hears all that blessing and all of that promise, and he is overwhelmed. And so already he is in a position to show us what it means, uh, how do you respond to the blessings of God. And I want to give you four parts to responding properly to the blessings of God. And I've already talked about two. First of all, there's giving. David, uh, at the beginning of the chapter, was blessed, and he wanted to give his all to God and build the Lord a house. Giving. You know, he's counting his blessings, and he is uh, remembering the goodness of God. He has he's no more enemies. Uh, there's not any battles being fought for then. There will be, but right then he's in a season of peace, and he's resting, and he's enjoying life, and he wants to do something for the Lord. He wants to give back uh, to God, and uh, he's counting his blessings. You know, if you count your blessings, you'll want to give something back to the Lord too. Count your blessings. And David said, I want to give to the Lord. The second one we've mentioned is worship. And in chapter 7, verses 4 through 18, God says, no, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to build you a house, and it's going to be huge. And if you remember from last week, we, we talked about in verses 1 through 18, the promises or the purpose and the promises of God. And we talked about how God keeps his promises, the procedures, the nature of God's promise-keeping personality and character. He always keeps his promises. You can't mess it up. Nobody can mess up. Sin can't mess up God keeping his promises. And God keeps his promises. And David is overwhelmed by this. I mean, it is incredible, the emotion that wells up in David's soul. He is overwhelmed by this blessing of God. He's overwhelmed because he's a man after God's own heart. He knows the Lord and he knows himself. And what he does in this text, in our text today, is he worships. He worships. And so let's read together, beginning with verse 18, about David, who wanted to give because he'd been blessed. He goes to worship, and he gets more blessed. And let's read it together, beginning with verse 18. Then went David, then went King David in and sat before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me here to this point in my life, to this season of my life? And this was yet a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, but you have spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of man, O Lord God? And what can, what can David say more unto thee? For thou, O Lord God, knows your servant. For thy word's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, Neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land, before thy people which thou 
hast redeemed thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever. And thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as thou hast said. And let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of thy servant, David, be established forever before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hath revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee a house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto you. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy words be true, and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it, and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. So David is blessed, and he wants to give back to the Lord. And he wants to build a house of worship. And he goes to worship when he hears what God, how God wants to bless him. He goes to worship the Lord. And the Bible says in our text, verse 18, that King David went in and sat before the Lord. Now, I don't know if he did this the next day or if he did it that night. Because remember, God woke up Nathan, the preacher, and sent him to the, to the palace that night. And that very night, I'm, he might even had to wake up David and say, no, no, I know you want to do something good, but God doesn't want you to do it. He's gonna, your son's going to do it, but God's going to do this. He's going to give you more, David, than you ever intended on giving to him. And he's going to bless you forever, and you're going to have a son on the throne of Israel forever. And David is overwhelmed. And I don't know if David got up that night and walked to the tabernacle to go sit before the Lord, or if he waited till the next day, or if he waited till the Sabbath day. But I do know that he got up and was moved to go sit before the Lord, to sit in the presence of the Lord. Hebrew literally leads in the face of the Lord. He wanted to go sit and worship the Lord and talk to the Lord out of gratitude. Now, I want to share something interesting with you. He went and sat before the Lord, and he prays. This is the only place in the Bible where anybody sat before the Lord. There's no other place where anybody went and sat before the Lord. Now, I don't know if he took a chair with him, I do know the language implies he went into the inner sanctum of the tabernacle and he sat down and there were no chairs in there. So more than likely, David sat on the ground. The king of Israel sat on the ground. It's the only place where anybody ever sat before the Lord and prayed in that posture. He is overwhelmed. He's driven to worship before the Lord. And I want to tell you something, folks. If you're a person after God's heart, you're going to be driven to the presence of the Lord by your blessings. Your blessings are going to drive you to worship Him. A heart set on God and is blessed they go to the house of God to worship. Now, if David went on the Sabbath day, or maybe even during the day, there'd be priests in there, there'd be functioning tabernacle, and it might be corporate worship like we do on Sunday morning. Or it might have just been private worship. He might have just walked in there all by himself and sat before the Lord. But I do want to make application. When you've been blessed and you know it, it's going to drive you to worship. It might be on Monday morning 
when that season of blessing pours out on you and you're overwhelmed by the wonderful grace of God to bless you. And you're just going to have to stop on Monday morning. 102 feels like 108. That's what they tell us. I don't know how they know what it feels like, but that's what they tell us. And you're going to worship the Lord. Or you're going to come in on Sunday morning in corporate worship and gather with God's people. And you're going to you're going to worship and pray and give thanks to the Lord. Regardless of your burdens, when you count your blessings, it'll drive you to worship the Lord. A heart set on God. David had a, was a man after God's own heart, and his blessings drove him to worship. You know, I had a question posed to me one time as we were preaching through 2 Samuel. We're going to answer this question later on, but I want to answer it today. They said, Preacher, David, if you read his story, was a very sinful man. There's three major sins that David committed in addition to just being a regular sinner like the rest of us. Amen? I mean, he, he first of all, we're going to see in chapter 11, he committed adultery. And then uh, we're going to see where he... Uh, well, in chapter six, he he brought the tabernacle, he brought the ta uh, the uh, ark of the covenant in the wrong way. That was a sin uh, uh, of the world. He imitated the Philistines and how they transported the ark of the covenant. And then in chapter eleven, he commits adultery. That's uh, the flesh. So he's got a sin that the world brought on him. That he was tempted by the world and the flesh. And then we're going to see later in his life, he's an old man. He ought to know better, and he with arrogance and pride, does a census of his army. And even the wicked, mean man, Joab, says, don't do it, but he does it anyway, and God judges him. Three major sins that just pop up, and he just yields, and he, he commits those sins, and is judged by God harshly. But he, still, he's called a man after God's own heart. And then he's called a man after God's own heart, and he had all them wives. Remember that? Remember that? We talked about David's multiple wives. And he's a man after God's own heart. See, being a man after God's own heart does not mean that you do not and will not yield to sin on occasion and temptation on occasion. Because David was a man after God's own heart. But a man after God's own heart is, is noted by how he deals with that sin. Each time David humbly repented, endured the consequences, threw himself on the mercy of God, endured the consequences, but he repented of his sins. And the drumbeat of his life is not to be marked by those three things, nor is it to be marked by his killing of Goliath. The drumbeat of his life is his character that we see all the way through his story where he sought the Lord. And here is a pinnacle of his character when he goes to worship and he sits before the Lord. The only person who ever did, recorded in Scripture, sat before the Lord and he worshiped. He gave thanks. You know what worship is? We complicate it, Brother Jay. We write deep theologies about what worship is. But let me tell you what worship is. Worship is, is gathering with God's people or by yourself on the days when your people aren't gathering and just giving thanks to the Lord. That's all it is. That's all it is, is just being thankful. And you start being thankful, you'll start praising Him. Your problems won't go away, but as you are worshiping, your blessings will just overshadow your problems. David worshiped when he found out this great blessing. The third characteristic is humility. In verses 18 through 29, David's humility and our humility is explained by three nouns in this text. 
Now, remember, we don't know who wrote 2 Samuel. Uh, some people say, well, uh, Samuel, 2 Samuel had to be written by Samuel. No, because Samuel was dead by the time uh, second, the events of 2 Samuel came about. It's just named after him, but dead men can't write. And so he didn't write it. We don't know who wrote it. It might have been Nathan who wrote some of it. It might have been the prophet Gad who wrote some of it. But we know it was some prophet that was tied to the school of the prophets that Samuel had established. And so we have a narrator, an unknown narrator. And all through this chapter, David is referred to as the king in this text. Four times the narrator calls him the king. And the king, and the king, and King David, and the king. Four times he's referenced as being the king in this text. But he does never refer to himself as being the king. The narrator makes it clear, though, that David is indeed the king. He is somebody, he's important, but David never refers to himself as the king. That leads us to the next noun. David refers to himself as the servant. He refers to himself as the servant of the Lord ten times in eight verses, all of which David is referring to himself. The word means a slave, a simple, lowly servant of the Lord. And then another personal noun, O Lord God. The phrase, O Lord God, is used eight times in seven verses. The word, O Lord, eight, O God, the Lord, O Lord God, is the covenant name, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. God, the creator of all that is, the sovereign God who keeps covenant. So David says, I I'm just a servant, and you're the sovereign God who's done all this for me. David is saying, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't earn this. I didn't earn this. I didn't merit this, but you have blessed me anyway. And, and he's standing before the Lord, and he's saying, I am of no importance. But we know he is important. We're the outside looking in, but in David's heart, he says, I'm a servant. There was a great um, commentator that I like to read from time to time named Arthur Pink. That's his name, Arthur Pink. He's with the Lord now. But this is what he said about this text. He said, it is beautiful to see how often this spirit of lowliness and self-abnegation appears in the man after God's own heart. When he went forth to engage Goliath, it was not in the confidence of his own skill, but with the holy assurance, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. When Saul lay helpless before him, he took no credit unto himself, but said to the king, the Lord has delivered you today into my hand. And then it goes on, he goes on to say, after his notable victory over the Amalekites, he said, You shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. And then I want you to use this last phrase. Humility is always, this is humility, it is that grace which gives the Lord his proper place. And when David goes to worship because of the blessings of God, he prays. And we read this prayer. It's, it's a lengthy prayer, but he prays. And in verse 18 in the prayer, he basically says, Who am I? Who am I? What, what is my house, Lord, that you brought me thus far? See, in chapter earlier in 7, the Lord said, I brought you from being a shepherd following sheep to being a sovereign leading a nation. And I'm going to give you a house forever over this nation. And David says, who am I that you would bless me like this? Who am I? You know, David was looking at the big picture. He was saying, God, this is huge. Who am I that you'd bless me this big forever? A house and a throne forever. He was looking at the big picture. And you know what? If you look at the big picture of your life, 
you'll be able to see the blessings too. You may be going through problems. You may be going through burdens right now. And I don't want, I'm not rebuking you. I want to encourage you. That's part of this life on earth. We all have our battles and our burdens. And if you're not in one now, you're going to get one soon. Amen. I promise you. If trouble's not on you now, get ready because it's coming. You're either in one, just getting out of one, or just about to get in one. That is life on earth. Amen. Not everything is ice cream with snickerdoodle cookies crushed up in it. That's what I like. Sometimes it's something else. But David was looking at the bigger picture. What you need to do in the midst of your problems is look at the big picture. David says, I know there's some battles coming up, but you promised me a throne forever. You say, well, preacher, how? What is the big picture for me? You ever heard of heaven? Amen. You ever heard of the indwelling Holy Spirit? Huh? You ever heard, I will never leave thee or forsake thee? That's a pretty big picture. Matter of fact, it's a mural. And so, who am I? And then in verse uh, 19, the, he says, Lord, the amazing thing about all this is you've blessed me and you've blessed me and you've blessed me and you've blessed me again. And it's not a big deal to you, Lord, to do this. I stand amazed that the great, big Lord God, covenant-keeping God, creator of all that is, has done this for me, and there's more to come. And then in verse 19b, he says, he says, But thou hast spoken. You've done more to bless me now, and you've promised a blessing for eternity. And then he says in verse 19, look at that phrase. He says, This is this the manner of man, O Lord God. Now I'm going to be totally uh, open with you on this. That is very difficult to translate. Why would David in this prayer, he's talking about God, who am I that you would bless me? This is, this is amazing. I'm just a, I'm a slave. God, uh, it's, it's amazing that, that you would do this. You're, you're the sovereign God. And then he says, is this the manner of men? Now, there's several uh, translations to this, if you will. It's hard to translate, so there's several understandings about this. Some are saying, David is looking up to heaven and saying, Lord, is this how you treat everybody? Well, I don't think that's it. You know why I don't think that's it? Because that's just wrong. It's just wrong. No, I don't think that's it because God is sovereign and not everybody gets such blessings. We've got to realize that. You say, well, that's not fair. No, but it's just. If we start thinking we deserve things, it's not fair. Who am I, David said. Let me tell you what this means. David was realizing that this covenant was for all men, not just him. David has the Messiah in mind. Jesus is in this covenant. He's the end of the covenant. And David said, this is the way for all men. And then in verse 20 and 21, David says, You know me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. So you didn't do this because of me. David says, Lord, there's nothing I did to get this blessing. And, and, and there's nothing I did not do to get this blessing. You know me. I am a sinful man. And so I, I, I can't say I did or did not do. There's no greatness in me. You're the one who's great. And so there, there's no merit. Now, let me, let me tell you something, folks. If, if you run around here thinking that, well, I'm a sinful person, God's not going to bless me, then the problem with that is God's not going to bless anybody. Because we're all sinful, right? His blessings are always tied to His grace. God gives you His blessings out of His grace. He blessed you with salvation. If you're born again today, He's blessed you with salvation. And I want to tell you, every blessing He pours out on you is by His grace. His graciousness. 
But David says, Lord, you didn't do this because of me. You did this for your word's sake. You did this because you gave me your word. And, and you're gracious and you're kind and you're loving. And so, God, it's all about you. Let me tell you something, folks. Let's not steal the grace of God and turn it into our pride thinking we deserve the blessings of God. God blesses you because he gave his word and said he would. He said he would. And he does. And his blessings are not up to you. They're up to him. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. So I could preach all day on the implications of that. One is don't get jealous of somebody else's blessings. We're the body of Christ. We're supposed to rejoice in other people's blessings. Amen? We're supposed to be happy when other people get blessed. Now, have you ever seen somebody get blessed and you go to your prayer room and say, God, why not me? Don't look at me like you've never done that. I'm going to tell you the truth. I've done it. Have you ever done it? I sure have. God, why not me? Look what I do. And God always says, well, you don't do it good enough. <laughs> and I want to tell you what, I, I look back and I have my fair share of blessings. I have my just share of blessings. God said, David said, it's all about you. And then in verse 22 through 24, he says, God, there's none like you. He says, there's none like you who can bless like this. He says, you, you, you took a nation that was a people in Egypt who were slaves. And you led them out with ten plagues conquering the gods of Egypt and the Pharaoh of Egypt. And you led them out. You took them to the brink of a body of water called the Red Sea. And you parted the sea. And they walked across the sea on dry ground. And, Lord, you, you had the armies of Pharaoh charge, and while they were on the dry ground, it got wet because you closed up the sea. And you gave them the land you promised them hundreds of years before. And you have established them. God, there is not a God like you at all. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. We're an exceptional nation, America. We came across a body of water too. Yeah, but we came in boats. Amen. We came in boats. But God parted the Red Sea. He says there's not. You haven't done that for any other nation on earth. My goodness, God, you are good and you have blessed us. You have blessed us and you blessed me. David knew his blessings were not for him, but they were for Israel. And when you look at these things that David prayed, we realize that part of responding to the blessings of God is humility. Let me share something with you. If something good happens to you and a blessing, quote, unquote, comes your way, if it doesn't humble you and give you pause and drive you to worship, you better be careful because it might not be coming from God. Or you better be careful because if you turn it to your own pride and your own merit, it can be taken away just like it was given. At First Baptist Church, we have a Greek expression that says, that's good preaching whether you like it or not. Let me tell you something, folks. When God blesses you, you know it. And you, you, if you have a heart after God and you're pursuing the Lord, you just are overwhelmed with His blessings. I won't tell you what, it, it's an amazing thing. Sit down one day in your prayer room, in your Bible study room at your house, and get you a journal and start counting your blessings. Your family, yes. Your job, yes. Your health, yes. Say, well, I don't have any of those things. Well, you got other blessings. If you're here today, be thankful. And you count those blessings. And you start giving God thanks. Go all the way back to your childhood. You know, one time I decided to 
to go all the way back to my earliest memories, my earliest memories as a child, and start looking at experiences and different things and count them as blessings from God. I mean, I went all the way back to my earliest memory that I could remember. I remember so many things, but er one of the earliest memories I remember is, uh, well, never mind, because I was doing something bad, and God convicted me. I'm not going to tell you. And I remember my buddies and I were up to no good. We were just kids, and we were up to no good out in the brush. And, and um, I remember the Lord convicted me and says, Don't you throw them rocks at that. Don't you do that. And I remember the Lord convicted And I wrote it down as a blessing of the Holy Spirit's conviction early on. I remember one time we were out quail hunting, and we came back in. It was during Thanksgiving. And my grandma would always make a buttermilk pie. You ever eat buttermilk pie? Well, you ain't never eaten my grandma's buttermilk pie. That's a, that's a blessing I had. And I love that buttermilk pie. And I remember sitting down uh, after we'd cleaned the birds and went in, and we were sitting down, and I went up to the pie area that Grandma had in her house, and Cole, all the buttermilk pie was gone. My cousins done got it because I was out there cleaning birds with the men folk, and they were in there eating the pies. All that was left was mincemeat pie. I don't know why Grandma made mincemeat pie. If anything's a blessing, mincemeat pie ain't a blessing. <laughs> but I sat down, and I, I was so disappointed, and I remember my mama coming up to me, and she had a plate with a uh, uh, napkin over it, and she said, I knew you loved the buttermilk pie, and I saw it was going quick, so I cut you a piece and put it away. Here's your buttermilk pie. I remember that, and I wrote it down as a blessing. And I just started thinking about those blessings and then Miss Tracy and my kids and you, some of you, all of you, few of you, you know. <laughs> and I won't tell you what, I began to weep. And I sat down in my easy chair and I just wept. And I gave God thanks for those blessings. And it, it came over me. There's not one thing I did to deserve it. Not one thing I did to earn them. Those buckets of blessing poured out. Nothing about me. It was all the grace and kindness and goodness of God. And when you are blessed, you'll know it. And you start counting them and giving them thanks. You'll just begin to see more and more what God has done for you in your blessings. Despite your burdens and problems, these blessings. The fourth thing, after humility, is faith. This text, beginning in verse 18, is a prayer. And it is a prayer drawn out by the blessings of God upon a man who was after God's own heart. And David begins to pray. And the basis of his Faith is the Word of God. He starts to pray. You want to know what the prayer of faith is? This is the prayer of faith. Look at verse 25 real quick. And David, um, chapter 7, verse 25, and the Bible says, And now, O Lord, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning thy house, establish it. He said, God, you've given me this word. I am blessed. I'm praying in faith now. Do your word. The basis of faith. The boldness of faith. David is basically praying here in these verses, Thy will be done. Now let me share something with you that some of you may hold to. There's a doctrine out there that we have a vernacular for. I don't know exactly what it's called technically, but I know the vernacular, and it's called this. If you name it, or if you, claim, if you name it and claim it, God will give it to you. If you name it and claim it, God will give it to you. And there's wonderful Christian people all over the place who are saying, I want a blessing and I'm going to claim it. Usually it has to do with money. I need $10,000 and I'm going to claim $10,000 that God's going to give me $10,000. 
I've even had them be so bold as to stand up in their churches and announce, God's going to give me $10,000. I would never do that. But let me tell you something about the blessings of God. You or I cannot claim it if God has not named it. You remember that. The blessings of God are His sovereign will and His sovereign purposes and His grace for you. And you can name it and claim it all day long, but unless God has named it, He's not going to grant it. You read the remaining of this prayer, and David said, Your word was given to me. Your word about a seed forever. Your word about a throne forever. Your word about my son building the temple. Your word that says, if my son sins, you will not abandon him like you did Saul. And David says, Lord, I believe your word. And it's a blessed word for me. I believe it and I pray that you would do it. You would do it. You would do it. God named it. Then David claimed it. Amen. We're going to see next week what these blessings did for him in terms of other people. But let me give you something before we close. We talked about at the beginning the seasons of blessings. Some of you are going through some seasons of blessings. Now, there's constant blessings you always have in Christ Jesus. Earlier on, before service started, old Simon, my buddy, was sitting in the office with me. Where'd you go? There you are, Simon. And my good friend Larry Gartman comes up as he does every week, and we pray before the service, and, and I didn't realize what time it was. It was getting close to church time, and I said, Brother Larry, tell old Simon about the blessings of knowing Jesus all these years. And old Brother Larry commenced to talking about the blessings of God, new character, new personality, new way of looking at things. And he got to testifying about the blessings of God. And I looked at my watch, and I said, Brother Larry, we got to go. It, it, they're going to start singing here in a minute. We got to go. And Larry looked at me and said, Dr. Mike, don't do that to me again unless you give me more time. <laughs> right, Brother Larry? Boy, I want to tell you something, folks. There's constant blessings you look back on and you count and you'll be a happy Christian. But there's some of those seasonal blessings that come our way. And there's such a wonderful experience in life. I've had so many of them. And they drive us to worship. But there's also seasons of burdens. There's seasons of burdens that people go through. Hardships and hard times. Your family's been through them. My family's been through them. And you know, David shows us how to respond to the seasons of blessings. What did he do? He went and worshiped, didn't he? The old man named Job, J-O-B, shows us how to respond to the seasons of burdens. What did Job do? He worshiped. He went to worship. Lost everything he had, but he went to worship. David gained everything he had and will have and would never see that he has. He went and worshiped. Job went and worshiped. The constant factor for any season of life is worship. That's the constant factor. That's what you do. What do you do when you're in the seasons of burden? Worship. What do you do when you're in a season of blessing? You worship. Now, here's the important thing. Preacher, you've told us that Jesus is in, on every page of this book, and indeed he is. Where is Jesus in this? Where is Jesus? Well, he is portrayed as the greatest, ultimate blessing God has for us. The phrase king and servant are all over this chapter. All over this chapter. Just used over and over again. Wasn't Jesus the suffering servant who is king? You know, David, David is the king. I'm sorry, David was the servant who became a king and was both to his nation. Jesus is the king who became a servant. If you can't give God thanks for anything else, 
that you're experiencing now, giving thanks for Jesus. He's who's sustaining you. He's who's blessing you. He's who's seeing you through your burdens this season of life. Keep on keeping on with Jesus. That's the blessing. That's where the blessing is in Jesus. Let's stand together, and I want to ask you to stand, and let's, let's talk to the Lord a little bit. If you want to bow your head and pray and close your eyes, you can. And I want to ask you a series of questions. You know, all the blessings that are eternal and that are significant and that will not go away are the spiritual blessings we have in Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you what, whether you're 10 years old and you give your life to Jesus today, or whether you're 20 or 30, or whether you're 70 years old and give your life to Jesus, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, God has blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. There is nothing withheld to the believer of the spiritual blessings found in Christ Jesus. And these temporal, earthly blessings, they mean absolutely nothing without the spiritual blessings of Christ Jesus. If you were to die today, are you 100% certain that you would have the blessing of heaven? If you're not, that means you're struggling with something. If you're not 100% certain and you want to be, we're here to help you receive the blessing of Jesus in salvation. The way we do it here at First Baptist is we're going to sing a song after I pray. It's called the Song of Appeal, the Invitation. And all you got to do is you just got to step out of the aisle, step out in the aisle and just walk down front to me. Cole's on one side, I'm on the other. Nobody's going to ridicule you. Nobody's going to look at you and wonder who you are. If they're saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, which I believe most people are in this room, I want to tell you what they're going to do. They're going to rejoice and pray for you and ask God to give you His blessings. That's what they're going to do. So don't worry about other people. You just come on down, and I'll greet you, or Cole will greet you, and you just say, I want the blessings of Christ Jesus. I want the blessings of Christ Jesus. And we'll take it from there and help you in the Lord.